Hi, this is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. The book of Acts chronicles the birth of the church, the launching of the church. And so far in this series, we've seen the church begin, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and we've seen it then experience rapid growth. They've seen miracles. They faced some initial opposition. They've dealt with internal sin, and they've even faced direct persecution. Last week, we heard at the very end of Acts 5.42 that on the heels of the apostles being imprisoned and beaten and threatened with further opposition and persecution, they refused to stop preaching about Jesus. Acts 5.42 says, And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. And then it transitions into Acts 6.1, which says the disciples continued to grow in number. The church was growing. It was doing well. And this morning, we're looking at this passage, and it's a passage that actually highlights a challenge that's associated with growth. You see, whenever a church grows rapidly, there's joy, there's excitement, but there's also growing pains. There's there's challenges and problems that arise. And as we look at Acts 6, 1 1 to 7, we're going to see that even though growing churches will face these types of problems, they must remain focused on the mission of God. So let's dive right in. Let's just talk about this first point. The church is always going to face problems. This is the first thing we want to talk about. The church is always going to face problems. The early church had faced a variety of problems to this point and wasn't just enduring in those problems. It was actually thriving, continuing to grow. And it's in the midst of this thriving that the church faced a different kind of problem. It wasn't persecution. It wasn't... um, doctrinal issues, theological problems. It wasn't internal sin within the church. Now it was a logistical problem. Shepherding, caring. What are we going to do here? Verse 1 of chapter 6 says, Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Having so many people come to trust in Jesus Christ that it's hard to keep track of everybody, that's a good problem to have. But it's still a problem. It still needs attention, right? So many people had joined this church that the 12 apostles couldn't manage ministering to everybody. They couldn't handle distributing all the different aid, whether financial or food-related, and preach and teach and pray for everybody. It was just getting out of control. And it seems that there was, in fact, a group of widows that were being neglected the Hellenist widows. Now you might say, who are these Hellenists? What's going on here? Your Bible probably has a little footnote, and it says these are Greek-speaking Jews. Likely these were Jews who had left years ago, maybe even generations ago, to all over the known world, but now they felt the desire to come back to Jerusalem, maybe the desire to be buried in their home nation, be reunited with their people. Some of them may have been just a husband and a wife, and when the husband died, then that left the widow with no family support, no support structure in the city. And it seems as though, unfortunately, some of these widows were falling through the cracks in the midst of all this growth. So this is a legitimate complaint, right? This is, 
a concern that, that, that the church then needs to know about. There are numerous trivial complaints that come to churches all the time, right? Hey, did you know that somebody took that spot in the parking lot? Like, I had that spot, and then they just swooped right in there and took it from me? And, you know, I came in this morning, and I thought, I don't like green banners. I want yellow banners. Why don't we have yellow banners? And, you know, I was really thinking, church should be at 1015, not 10. I don't like it at 10. And, I'm, and actually, I'm not a fan of bald preachers. These are all trivial complaints. They don't actually matter, right? But these are the types of things that they face churches all the time. But what's happening here in Acts 6.1, this is legitimate. There are people that are being neglected, people that are being left out. They're not being cared for well. And so the church needed to address this. And I want to say, as a member of the leadership here at the church, if you see or notice something that's a legitimate issue, Please bring it to us. Bring it to the staff. Bring it to the pastors, the elders, the deacons. We, we want to know those types of things, and we need to know, because the reality is growth brings challenges. Any church that has experienced any kind of significant growth or currently is experiencing growth has to always kind of step back and ask these questions. Okay, how are we doing? Is everyone actually being taken care of? Are balls being dropped? Like, what's happening here? Are we doing an okay job? Are we doing a, not just an okay job, a great job? Right? That's, we need to ask those questions because the church isn't perfect. Hey, I love the gathering. The gathering is a great church, but it's not perfect. We do our best. We're trying really hard, but sometimes we make mistakes. And sometimes we will continue to make mistakes. We don't know everything. We don't see everything. Sometimes balls do get dropped. And unfortunately, there are times when uh, maybe an issue or a, a person might even kind of fall through the cracks. But please hear me this morning. It's never, ever our intent to neglect anyone or any group of people. We're trying our best. This church plant is, is, has changed a lot and it's rapidly growing. And sometimes things do fall through the cracks from time to time. So we apologize for that and we ask for grace and mercy and patience as we try to care for the church. Back to Acts 6. How did the early church deal with this problem? They hear about this concern. This is legit. What are we going to do about it? Well, they didn't let it get out of hand. This could have derailed things, but they took prompt action. They heard it. This is a problem. There are widows being neglected. This matters to us. We've got to do something about it. So they knew something had to change, and so they were guided by God's Spirit. They made necessary adjustments. They recognized that the church needed to adapt in order to keep ministering well. And that's the second point this morning, is that the church must adapt. The church must adapt. Growth necessitates change. Those of you who, who are parents, you, you understand this. Starts from a baby, you know, to a toddler, to a kid, to a teenager, all, all those different stages. Everything's different, right? You, you, you change the way that you talk to, to your child. As, when they're very little, they get a little bit older. You change the way, um, the types of expectations you have for them. You change the way that you, you parent them. What kind of consequences, discipline. It's, it shifts. It adapts as they grow. And the same thing in the church. As we grow, we must adjust. We must shift and adapt to meet the needs. 
So the apostles say, yeah, we're going to change things up. So what do they say? If you look at verse 2 of chapter 6, the 12 summoned the full number of the disciples. They got everybody together. They said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. Everybody loved the idea. And so they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, and these are great names, um, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. So the 12 apostles, they recognize, hey, we can't do it all. We can't keep going the same way. And you know what? We shouldn't, actually. And this is not a shot against serving tables, about distributing aid, about any other kind of practical needs ministry. Not at all. It's because it, it was valuable that they said, you've got to find some people to do this. We can't do it. We're dropping the ball. We need to focus on this. So you've got to find seven men to, to do it. Make sure those widows are being looked after. We don't want anyone falling through the cracks. That's the action that they took. And he says, don't just find any seven guys, though. Make sure that these, are, these guys are qualified. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They had a good reputation. They were wisdom. So you can see the care that the apostles had. It wasn't just like, yeah, pick seven random guys and go do it. It's like, no, find seven men who are going to rise to this, who are going to oversee this, and who are going to manage this well. And they did. This account is likely what we have, the first formation of what we would call deacons in the church. Deacons are those who lead by serving. And next week, we're going to focus in on Stephen a little bit and how God specifically used him. But here we go. This is an example of the church adapting. They saw a need, and they empowered new leaders to handle new problems. I think this is kind of a timely message for our church. We think about we're kind of always in this state of change. For any of you who have been here for a little while, as Bill shared before he read the scriptures, he was part of that very first Bible study in the living room of Pastor Garth and Patty. Since then, we've gone from a living room to a golf course to a warehouse to here. There's been a lot of change. And there's still change. And there's going to be more change coming. Zoning process and city this and making makeshift classrooms out of curtains. And you know, we've you know, added our own deacons and elders to help. But more changes are coming. Like we, we have an idea. We may know, hey, this is what we think is going to happen with maybe the renovation plans, and we've got a plan, an idea, and that's great. But beyond that, we don't know the future. We know two things. God is in control, and we're going to have to adapt. And then we're going to have to adapt again. And then we're going to have to adapt again. And we're going to need to remain flexible, and we're going to need to remain patient, all of us. And we're also going to need help. I mean, we need help now. We need, our ministries are, are growing. We're always on the lookout for more people to jump on board, to serve with us in any number of ministries, whether that's worship team, whether that's helping with snacks, care, compassion ministries, kids gathering, ushers, youth ministry. You know, there's just so much to help with. And if you have any interest at all, talk to someone today about serving, or you can fill out a welcome card and say, I'm interested in serving. What would that be? And then we can contact you. We'd love to follow up about that. 
But as we grow, we're going to need help because things are going to change. And if we don't adapt, it could go pretty poorly for us. How many of you remember Blockbuster Video? You remember Blockbuster Video? I loved Blockbuster. That was like Friday night, just wandering the aisles. What do I want to watch? I don't know. At one point, Blockbuster was the king of home movie and video game rentals. Okay? In 2004, Blockbuster employed 84,000 people and had over 9,000 stores worldwide. In the year 2000, a new company called Netflix approached Blockbuster with an offer to sell their company to Blockbuster for $50 million. The Blockbuster CEO was not interested in the offer because he thought that online movie watching was a very small niche business. And Netflix was losing money at the time. However, being unable to transition towards the digital model, Blockbuster filed for bankruptcy in 2010. There's no more Blockbuster. As of July 2017, Netflix had over 104 million subscribers worldwide and a revenue of $8.8 billion. Blockbuster didn't adapt. We can't be like Blockbuster. Okay? We need to adapt. Culture is going to change. Various situations and needs are going to shift and, 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 and rise and fall, and we have to adapt if we're going to effectively reach more people now and in the future. You have to. And I want to be clear, though. When I say the church must adapt, I'm talking about the methods, uh, the creative processes, the styles, the, the how we do different ministries and, and things like that. Um, I'm not talking about compromising or adapting or abandoning our message. Mm-mm. Okay? The Bible is God's very word. It's living, it's active, it's right, it's true, it's authoritative. And it contains the beautiful message of salvation, the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you can be forgiven, that you can have eternal life, that you can be reconciled with God. We can change all sorts of things, but we're not changing the Bible. We're not tampering with the gospel. And actually, not changing the message is crucial to ensuring our third point this morning, that the church must stay focused on the mission the church must stay focused on the mission. In, the, in the, all the, the swirling changes of everything that's going to come at us, we've got to stay focused on what matters. The 12 apostles recognized, right? Things were getting out of hand. We've got to change things up. Sure, we've got to change things up. But we're not changing the message. We're not derailing the focus of the mission that Jesus gave them. In Acts 1.8, he said, hey, you guys are going to be my witnesses, in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to all the world. That's, that's the mission. And so, if you listen back to, to Acts 3 and 4, right, the 12 said, hey, you guys, find seven guys to do this. And then verse 4 says, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. That matters. We've got to stay focused on that. And here's the thing. The mission hasn't changed 2,000 years later. The church is still called to be witnesses of Jesus. We're still called to go out and make disciples of all nations. Matthew 28, 19, 20, right? Go. 
Make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all I've commanded you. I'm going to be with you always. That hasn't changed. So many other things are going to change. Methods are going to change, and they have changed. Anybody who's been in church for longer than five years knows that methods have changed significantly, but the message remains the same. We've got to stay focused on the mission by clinging to the Word of God, clinging to the gospel, proclaiming the gospel. Why? Romans 1, 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why would I not be ashamed of the gospel? For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. That's why we don't compromise the message. It's the power of God for salvation. It's the message of of rescue and redemption. People need to hear that. Romans 10, listen to Romans 10, um, 13 and, and following. Romans 10, 13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Anybody who, who hears about Jesus, calls out to Jesus, says, Lord, I need you. Would you forgive me? I confess my sins to you. I trust in who you are and what you've done. Those people who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. But then he goes on and he says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And then Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. That's why we got to stay focused on the mission. That's why we don't change the message, because faith comes from hearing about Jesus. It doesn't come from hearing about anything else. Faith comes from hearing, hearing through the word of Christ. Early church was focused on the mission. They adapted, sure. They appointed those first seven deacons, absolutely. And it was a good thing that they did because what was the result? What happened when the 12 apostles were freed up and had more time to devote to the ministry of the word? Acts 6, verse 7. And the word of God continued to increase. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. The number of the disciples multiplied greatly. They adapted, and the church grew. And it didn't just grow. It says it multiplied greatly. And even a whole bunch of the priests are like, yeah, I believe in Jesus now too. More people heard the gospel. More people believed the gospel. More people were involved in spreading the gospel. That's what we want, and that's what we want to see and experience, right? But it's not going to just happen. It's going to take each and every one of us being focused on the mission and reminding each other to stay focused on the mission because there's lots of things that come to try to distract us. And they're not all bad things, right? But but they can just become these things that, that kind of get in the way of the mission, even things like, you know, our, well, our own career pursuits or relationships that we're in or that we want to be in, they're not necessarily bad, but they can distract us from the mission or um, the pursuit of education, materialism, or just spending all day playing video games, that can distract us from the mission. And even something like this building can distract us from the mission if we're not careful. Nothing wrong with this building. I'm thankful for this building. I'm so glad that we can use it for gospel ministry. But remember, this building is just a tool for the mission, This building is not the end of the mission, not the goal of the mission. It's the tool for the mission. We've got one mission. We've got to be focused on it. One mission with one message about one 
Savior. His name is Jesus Christ. He's the one who came for us in our lost and sinful state. He's the one who lived the perfect life we never could. He's the one who died the death we deserve to die in our place on the cross. And he's the one who then conquered death and rose again. And he's the one who offers complete forgiveness, complete forgiveness from sin and eternal life, reconciliation with God, welcomed into his family. He's the one who's going to return one day. He's going to right every wrong. He's going to establish his eternal kingdom. He is Jesus. He's the one that sends us out on mission by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's the one that works in us and through us to change lives for the glory of God. That's what we want to be about. That's what we need to be about. So let's be a church that's about that. Let's be a church that's focused on what really matters. Like the early church in Acts 6. Yeah, problems are going to come, but let's deal with them so that we can stay focused on the mission, being witnesses for Jesus, making disciples of Windsor, Essex, Ontario, all around the world. Because, remember... The ordinary people of God, equipped with the Word of God, empowered by the Spirit of God, dedicated to the Son of God, can accomplish the mission of God. Let's pray together.